If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. Welcome to Turning Point. What are you afraid of? Snakes? Public speaking? Dying? Fear is a natural instinct, part of God's design for you. But left unchecked, well, as Dr. David Jeremiah explains, fear can become overwhelming, even paralyzing. To help you keep fear under control, David begins his series, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, with today's powerful message, Slaying the Giant of Fear. So, friends, uh, these series come together uh, like this. We we get letters from people. We get questions from people about different things. And sometimes they collect and they become a series. And that's sort of how Slaying the Giants happened. Uh, we're going to learn how to live uh, in the middle of the battle and be victorious. We'll have more introductory material about this whole series, but we're going to just jump right in the middle of it today and uh, talk about Slaying the Giant of Fear. Because this is a very fearful time for a lot of people, and that's the place to start. Uh, We'll be looking at a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you might want to turn there. We'll help you get to the right place in a few moments. But I hope you will take the opportunity to be with us now as we take this new journey, um, a series of several messages on slaying the giants in your life, dealing with the issues that come up even as Christians, and we face them. Hey, we have uh, today and and tomorrow um, to make available to you the resource for the month of January. I don't want to let the opportunity get away from us that Heaven Rules, the book by Nancy DeMoss, is still available from Turning Point today and tomorrow, and then we'll have a new resource. So don't forget to ask for your copy of this incredible book that will help you understand how the things that are coming unraveled on this earth are not affecting what's happening in heaven and should not lead us to panic because God is in control. This book is yours for a gift of any size. Ask for your copy of the book, Heaven Rules, in the two days that remain in the month of January. Okay, well, let's begin this new study as we talk about slaying the giant of fear. After the door to her small apartment closed in 1949, Marjorie Goff went out three times in 30 years. She went out once to give some ice cream to a friend of hers who was failing in health. She went out the second time for an operation, and she went out the third time for the funeral of one of her family members. But aside from that, she entered her home on her 31st birthday, and she did not come out again until she was 61 years old. She imprisoned herself for 30 years. She was suffering from what they call agoraphobia, which is the fear of open spaces. So she locked herself in her home. I read about a guy who drives a semi-truck and he has to cross the Chesapeake Bay Bridge and he has a fear that one day he's going to stop his truck in the middle of the bridge and get out of the truck and jump off the bridge. So this is a true story. His wife 
agreed to handcuff him to his steering wheel so he wouldn't be tempted to do that. These are some bizarre stories of people who have phobias, but let me ask the question, how many of you are fearful of some particular thing? Let me see your hands. Now, come on, ladies. You don't like snakes and spiders. I know that. (laughs) I'm not necessarily sure that means you have a phobia, but did you know that there are over a hundred different classified phobias and that one out of every ten people suffers severely from a phobia, which is not just general fear, but it is an irrational fear about some common thing. It is irrational in the sense that a person could be skiing from the highest mountain in the world and the next day be afraid to go up in an elevator past the 10th floor in a building because he has a phobia of high places in buildings. So there are many phobias and uh, some of you are afraid of elevators. Some of you are afraid of height. Some of you may be afraid of airplanes. I, I don't know what your fear is. We're not necessarily talking about those particular things. What we're talking about today is the spirit of fear that can take over one's life. A fear that can come and begin to dominate. Because you see, fear is not bad. God created fear so that we would have the opportunity to have sudden bursts of energy and strength and speed during times of emergency. But when fear becomes a permanent condition, it can paralyze your spirit, terrorize your heart, and penalize your life. I have to admit that in my years as pastor teacher, I've met fear more than once. I've been in the hospital when families have gotten tragic news and seen the fear in their lives. I have counseled parents whose children have run away. I've tried to help spouses who've just been told that their partner was divorcing them. I've been present when a doctor told two young parents that Something was wrong with their newborn. I have stood to speak in front of huge crowds, believe it or not, been terrified at the thought. I've been stabbed in my heart with fear as I've seen my two sons take vicious hits on the football field and lay on the ground for what seemed like an eternity. I've watched my children as they've entered new schools and seen the fear in their lives as they wondered if they would be accepted and if this was going to work. I've driven them across the country to universities far away from here and felt their fear as I've watched them move into their dorm for the first time and try to get acquainted with people they'd never met before in their lives. And I've also known personally the kind of fear that can grip you when you are told that you have a serious disease. Fear is not a stranger to me, and it's probably not a stranger to you either. If we're honest, we're all a lot like the little boy who had two lines in a play. The two lines that he was supposed to say when he walked out on the stage were these, it is I, be not afraid. But he came out on the stage and saw the crowd, and what came out was, it's me, and I'm scared. Someone has defined fear as a small trickle of doubt that runs through your mind and eventually wears such a great channel that all of your thoughts drain into it. The Bible doesn't paint the picture of God's people living without fear. 
There's no such thing as reality without fear. There will always be some fear. In fact, in the Old and New Testament, there are many, many stories that are dominated by the theme of fear. What about all those stories of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee at night when the storm comes up and they're so afraid and the Lord has to come and calm the sea? There are many, many occasions when fear is the main play in the story like David and Goliath. The reason Saul wouldn't go out and face Goliath is because he was afraid. They couldn't find anybody in all of Israel that was willing to go out and fight this giant except for David. But the story in the Old Testament, in my estimation, that best illustrates the principles of fear that you and I deal with every day is the story of the 12 spies who left Kadesh Barnea and went into the land of Canaan to spy out the land that God had given them. Now that story is told primarily in Numbers 13 and 14, but it is reviewed in a very condensed version in the book of Deuteronomy and the first chapter. So I'd like for you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And there, beginning at verse 19, we have the record of this event in the history of Israel. What I'd like to do today, people, is to take that story and to tell the story, but to build the story around the principles of fear that come right out of the text. If you know anything at all about the setting, you know that what happened was Israel had been freed from Egypt and they had come across the little desert and they were now ready on the threshold to go into the land of Canaan. This was the land that had been promised to them by God. It's the land that was given to Abraham. It was the land that flowed with milk and honey. It was the promised land, the land they had dreamed about through all those years of slavery in Egypt. And now here they are on the very threshold of entering into Canaan. And God allows them to send some spies into the land to check it out, to figure out which was the best way to go into the land and to look at the cities. And so you know the story. The 12 spies went into the land to spy it out. And as we review the story, we see these principles so very clearly. And they remind us that the principles that dominate us when we have the spirit of fear are not any different now than they were back in the times of Joshua and Caleb. For the first thing we realize as we read the story is that fear disregards God's plan. Beginning our reading in verses 19, we read these words. So we departed from Horeb and went through all that great and terrible wilderness which you saw on the way to the mountains of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, Moses is speaking, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving to us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not fear and do not be discouraged. Here was their warrant for possessing the land. Here was their invitation to go and take that land which God had promised to them. But they would not go up because of fear. Fear took hold of their lives and they couldn't allow themselves to believe that God had actually brought them to the place of their inheritance and their blessing. I want to tell you something that fear will do if you let it dominate your life. It will keep you from experiencing God's plan in your life. 
Because you see, we have an inheritance today as well. And our inheritance is reviewed for us in the words of Paul to Timothy. And he says to us there that God has not given to us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not created us to be creatures dominated by fear. He's given us the principle of faith upon which we may live. And if we determine to live in fear, we are disregarding God's plan for our life. The same principle is given by Paul in the book of Romans, where we are told, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Hear me carefully today. The word of God tells us that his plan for us, his desire for us is that we live above fear, that we walk in the power of his love, and that we're not dominated by fear. But if we allow fear to take over, we will miss out on God's plan. The second principle in this passage of scripture is that fear distorts God's purposes. It's interesting to me what can happen to us when fear begins to dominate our life. Everything gets out of perspective. Everything gets into distortion. And it's illustrated here in the story. The ten men who came back from Canaan with their report brought back such a distorted picture of what was there. We read about this in verses 27 and 28 where the scripture says... And you complained in your tents and you said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts saying, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. These ten men came back and they told the Israelites, this is a great land, but we can't go in there. There's no way we can go into that land. Why, the land is filled with the Anakim. That's a word for giants. And they did see some giants, but there's no evidence that every person they saw was a giant. How many of you know that fear takes one giant and turns him into the whole population? Have you noticed that? Intimidates you. They saw cities that had great walls. And they actually were so impressed by the inhabitants of the land of Canaan that when they came back, they convinced themselves that the reason God had brought them to the threshold of Canaan was because God hated them and he wanted to destroy them. You say that is the most irrational thought you could ever have of God. And yet, When fear begins to control your life, you don't think correctly and rationality goes out the window. Fear distorts your life and the picture of everything. If you determine that you will let fear take over in your life, you can be sure you're going to have a distorted picture of life. Fear distorts God's purposes. Well, it disregards God's plan And it distorts God's purposes. But notice thirdly, fear will take everything that's going on in your life and destroy it. And it will discourage everybody you come in contact with. You see, fear isn't just an isolated thing. Fear isn't something that just touches you. Fear touches everybody you touch. Isn't it interesting? Think about this for a moment. 
Ten men out of the twelve came back with an evil report. And those ten men so determined the destiny of the entire nation of Israel that the course of the nation was changed for the next 40 years just by the testimony of 10 people. How many of you know that fear is infectious? Somebody said that when they came back from the land of Canaan, they not only talked about the giants they saw, they brought one of the giants back with them, the giant of fear. And that giant walked into their camp and destroyed everything that was in the heart of the whole nation. It was almost as if you were in the midst of a huge building packed with people and somebody hollered fire and the whole landscape changes fear distorts God's purposes and it discourages God's people number four fear does something else fear disbelieves God's promises notice in verses 29 to 33 how carefully the wording is given to us Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came unto this place. Yet for all of that, you did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you, to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. Listen to me, people. This challenge in the lives of the Israelites wasn't just God's introduction to them. This wasn't God saying, oh, let's start from this place and go into the land of promise. God had been with them through the whole experience in the wilderness, through all of their time in Egypt, And the Bible says he had carried them along as you carry a child. And he had walked them through every experience. He had been with them. He had helped them. He had ministered to them. He had fought their battles. He had provided their food. He would given them direction by the cloud and by the pillar of fire. And all of that experience is in their heart. And here they stand on a challenge to do what God tells them to do. And it's like everything God had done for them was gone. You know what I've been learning as I get older? That while faith is important and it's important to build your faith muscles, sometimes every experience of faith is like starting over. Have you noticed that? It would seem like if you've watched God do some great things for you in the past, you should be able to climb up on that and it would be real easy to trust him again. But how many of you know sometimes that doesn't work that way? And the Israelites are a certain illustration of that. They decided that in light of all that God had done to demonstrate his goodness in their behalf, that they would not believe his word. Fear disobeys God's principles. That's the fifth thing. Notice. Nevertheless, verse 26, you would not go up, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. I know this is going to be a little harsh for some of you, but let me say it to you again. Here's where the crux of this whole thing rests. Fear is disobedience. Fear is disobeying God. You know, there's a little phrase in the Bible. Somebody said they counted them, and there's 365 of them. I don't know if that's true because I haven't counted them. 
I tried to count them once and I couldn't get to 365, so I don't use this illustration as fact. But many, many times in the Bible is this little phrase. You know what the phrase is? Fear not. How many times does God have to say to us, fear not, for us to understand that if we fear, we're not doing what God tells us to do. And to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I can't help my fears. Well, we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But, you know, it's a very important thing to understand that if God has given us the principle of faith, to deny that principle is to deny God's plan for our life. And fear destroys and disobeys the principles of God. It says here, nevertheless, you would not go up, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. Now, what's the result of all of this? I'm trying to tell this story as quickly as I can, but listen to me. The result of it was because they would not believe God, God wasn't going to provide for them what he provided for them, what he had promised he was going to give them. And so in the next passage of Scripture that you read in the book of Deuteronomy and again in the book of Numbers, what you discover is this, that the whole generation that did not believe God was prohibited from going into the land of promise. All the adult generation, the generation of Joshua and Caleb, that whole generation was forbidden to go into the promised land. And they spent the next 40 years wandering around in the wilderness until that whole generation died off. The only two people that were allowed to go into the promised land were Joshua and Caleb. And the interesting thing in the passage is that the children who they were afraid were going to be destroyed by the giants in the land, were the only ones among them who were going to be allowed to go in the promised land. After the adult generation died off, the children then were able to go into the promised land under Joshua's leadership. How many of you know that if fear dominates your life, ultimately it destroys everything God wants to do for you? How many people I've known whom God has spoken to, God has given them a direction in their life, he's maybe called them to some ministry, call them to some mission field, call them to do something special, and out of fear they have refused to do it. And their whole life becomes just kind of a rambling, meaningless journey. My friends, fear can steal away from us the very thing God wants to give us. Fear is a powerful force. The spirit of fear that dominates a life can keep God from doing what he wants to do in you. So you say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, what do we do about fear? I don't want to just bring these problems to you. We all know that fear is a problem. Some of you come here today with fear is a great problem. I met a girl who in tears came forward and she said, I cannot believe you spoke about this today. I said, what do you mean? She said, I came here from the East Coast because I thought God wanted me on the West Coast I came here looking for a job. I don't know anybody. I don't have a job. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know any of these things. She said, there's never been a moment in my life when I've been more fearful than I am right now. And I come to church and you talk about fear. (laughs) What do you do when fear begins to dominate your life? Well, I want to give you four or five things that I've learned from studying God's word. Number one, you confront your fear honestly. You have to confront fear. Fear isn't going to go away. If you have a spirit of fear that chases you around and won't let you alone, it's not going to just one day not be there. You have to confront fear. 
You have to first of all understand what it is that's causing you to be fearful. I've had people say to me, you know, Pastor, I don't know what I'm afraid of. I just have this spirit of fear. We need to ask God to help you isolate what that fear is and confront it. Amen. And we'll have more to say about that tomorrow. So be sure you join us for part two of Slaying the Giant of Fear. I don't think there's ever been a time that I remember in my life when there's been more fearful people. Uh, Obviously, the things that are happening in our world are creating that. I mean, COVID created a whole spirit of fear that we've never known before. And then um, we follow COVID up with uh, inflation. How are we going to manage our families? And people talk about, oh, they're going to have to make a decision this winter between eating and heating. Fear is everywhere present with us. But fear is an emotion. And God is in charge of your life. And he can give you the strength to face your problems and not be afraid of them. To face your fear and not let it destroy you. Our purpose in this series is to deal with issues like that, and we'll have more of them in the month of February. We want you to know how grateful we are for your uh, continued support of Turning Point. One of the ways that uh, you help us is through your generous giving. And uh, during the month of January, as you know, we've made available this incredible book by Nancy DeMoss called Heaven Rules. It's yours for a gift of any size to Turning Point uh, today and tomorrow. That's it, and it'll be gone. So make sure you get your gift in the mail and your request for this book. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Slaying the Giants in Your Life, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. This powerful book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue slaying the giants in your life on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Phillips Brooks was a 19th century Episcopal clergyman who is best remembered for writing the lyrics to the hymn we know as O Little Town of Bethlehem. But he should be remembered also for his words about prayer. He said, Do not pray for easy lives. 
pray to be stronger men. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you yourself shall be a miracle. Every day you shall wonder at yourself, at the richness of life which has come to you by the grace of God. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's way to pray on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.